Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Thank you so much for joining me today on episode number 212 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. We've got a really, really good topic to talk about today. And quite frankly, I think this is going to be an episode of the show that probably is going to <laughs> go down in history is one of the more helpful episodes to recreational players that I've ever recorded. I think the topics I'm going to talk about today just need to be heard by everybody who is striving to get better at tennis. And if you're listening to me, then that is probably you. So definitely listen carefully to all of today's episode. Real quickly, I just want to give you an update on my goings-on recently. I just got back from the BMP Paraba Open in Indian Wells, California, and I'm putting up tons of awesome, awesome pro footage. The camera, the new, new camera that I got a couple months ago is doing an amazing job, and the slow-motion footage that, that I'm publishing on my YouTube channel is... I. I Every time I work with this footage, I, I'm just blown away by it. So go check it out at youtube.com slash essentialtennis, or I'm posting a lot of it at essentialtennis.com, but pr it probably won't be all of it. So if you want to check out everything that I'm putting up, definitely go to the YouTube channel. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get to today's topic. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's go ahead and get to today's topic. Let me give you a little background on where this topic came from. I received an email from a listener of the podcast, and he also has done, I believe, a couple of my online courses. His name is Mike, and he was looking for help with one of the courses that he was a member with, in rather, and basically we started an email exchange in which he wanted to know, Ian, what's, what can I do next? Mike had just gotten bumped up from a 3.5 where he was very successful to a 4.0 level just recently. And this season is his first as a 4.0 player. And he's now finding himself in a position where he's really struggling and he's not sure what to do next. He's, he's losing most of his matches, whereas previously he was winning most of his matches and he's finding himself playing against younger players and better shape, better athletes with more weapons and more consistent at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he's just in a position where previously he felt really pretty comfortable and good about his game. And now all of a sudden he's been thrown in kind of into the lion's den and he's just not sure what steps to take to move forward, even though he spends a lot of time researching and learning and, and, trying to figure out what to do next. He's just not quite clear on it. So a lot of a lot of times when I get questions like this via email, I actually just, just say, <laughs> rather than try to write, I mean, this could be like a whole book, like literally. So rather than try to do it via email, a lot of times I'll just say, Hey, why don't, why don't you just give me a call and we'll just talk about it, which is, which is what we did. And uh, I think we had like a 45 minute or maybe even hour long conversation yesterday. And so a lot of the things we talked about are just on the top of my mind. And I, I knew I wanted to do a podcast episode on it. I actually considered recording our call, but I, um, I, I didn't know if Mike would be comfortable with that. And 
I, I didn't know if it was going to change our conversation, if you knew it was being recorded, etc. So I, I didn't do that. But maybe it's something I'll do in the future as a, as an episode when I kind of give some phone help to uh, to a listener of the uh, of the podcast. So basically. I, here's what we're going to do. There's f- four main questions that Mike asked me during the the conversation that we had yesterday. And I'm going to briefly go over each and tell you what my thoughts were on each of those questions, those main topics or questions that he had, because they're all vital to your healthy improvement, <laughs> uh, more mentally than anything. It's so good to have a good outlook and, and a good kind of a well, yeah, a healthy outlook on on what's reasonable to expect in your game and kind of how to view your journey as a tennis player. You'll see what I mean. So the questions we're going to answer are, what do I need to do to get better? Number one. Number two, what's the best way to learn? Number three, what if I plateau? And number four, how good can I get? So if you've ever asked any of those four questions, then today's episode is going to be very helpful to you. All right, so question number one, what do I need to do to get better? So, it, and I, I've received this question in basically this same format many different times. And it seems it seems to me that a lot of players think that there's some kind of magical progression that every, kind of everybody's on the same path as a tennis player trying to get better. And once you learn this, then you learn that. And then once you learn that, then you learn this. And there's just uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the, way, you know, all the way down to however many skills that you need to learn. And then when you get to Z, when you get to that final step, then it's like, all right, and now I've arrived and I'm a good tennis player. <laughs> and it's like a, a, there's a beginning and an end to it. And that's not the reality of tennis. And it sounds like it should be a simple simple question. What do I need to do to get better? But it's actually amazingly complicated when you consider the variables. And there's two main variables. Number one, every person is completely different. We all have different athletic abilities and different levels of coordination we all have different body types and and structures and kind of you know physical attributes. We all have different levels of prior experience in tennis, and we all have different levels of prior experience in other sports too. You might not think that it's important, but what you've done athletically before beginning your journey in tennis is really important to your ability to progress as a player. And so we all bring the, a very very different mix or combination of different skills and attributes and experiences to the table. And so as a result, we all pick up on different things more easily and more diff- more difficultly than others. And and so I can't possibly go from one person to the next and give the same advice because we're all we're all very different. And it might end up being that there are patterns in general you know, when somebody gets bumped up from a 3.5 to a 4.0 level, there are there are definitely general things that most players probably need to work on. But at the end of the day, we are all different and it takes a different approach. So that's number one. Every person is different. Uh, reason, the n- number one uh, variable. Number two is that tennis 
is really, really hard. <laughs> and there were several times in, in my conversation with Mike that that he was like, ah, oh, don't tell me that, Ian. I, I don't want to hear that. But you know what? There's certain things that you, you need to hear, and somebody needs to be honest with you about certain things in your tennis journey. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I hope I get to be that person for you. And one, one thing you need to hear is that tennis is just hard. It's difficult. It, it's, a, it's an unbelievably complex combination of athletic skills that you have to be able to use all together at the same time. We're talking about eye-hand coordination. I mean, really, really refined and exact eye-hand coordination. Stroke technique. I mean, every single type of shot has a different technique that needs to be learned. Ball judgment and footwork. Just being able to tell where the ball is going. And, and then being able to use the, the, uh, the best footwork patterns possible to get yourself in the right spot accurately and consistently. And that, then on top of that, we have to layer physical fitness strategy, you know, our, our knowledge of tactics and what shot to try to hit and the mental game, being able to stay, you know, mentally tough and not let things bother us and not crack under pressure and, and that sort of thing. So when you combine the fact that every person is different with the difficulty level that tennis brings to the table in terms of the wide range of skills that need that, that we need to have in order to be a "Quote unquote good tennis player." That's totally subjective. I'll, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that for right now. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's tough. And I've told this to more than one person in the past who's, who's come to me frustrated and said, "Ian, I, you know what? I'm just, I feel kind of stuck right now. I, I'm not sure what step to take next." And my, my first answer to that is, "Well, don't feel bad about that. I mean, really, don't, don't feel badly about that, because we, we all get to that." place in our game no matter how long we've been playing no matter what level we already are everybody gets to that place at some point in time where they're like man I just I'm not sure what to do next so so my first answer to Mike when his first question was basically so what do I what do I do next you know my, my question my answer uh, short answer to him was basically, I have no idea, man. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never seen you hit a ball before, you know, and, and I told Mike, if you want to send me a, you know, a video of you doing some set play, then I'd be happy to take a look at it. And I could very quickly pick out, you know, several things I'm sure that, um, would probably be towards the top of the, of the list of things that you could improve to help you get to the next level. But, you know, just via email or via phone, you know, I'd be totally guessing because it's just such a complicated thing. So that's number one. And, and please don't take this as, as me being pessimistic or, or, you know, telling you that you can't do it or anything like that. We're, we're going to get to, we're going to flesh this out as we keep going. Okay. But that's general, you know, answer to question number one of what do I need to do to get better? Question number two is what's the best way to learn? That was kind of the the natural progression in our conversation after talking about, you know, it, it is difficult and yeah, it's hard and it takes a lot of skills that we have to master. So I think the next natural question is, so so how do I learn? How, what's the best way to learn? And the thing about Mike, and he probably has this in common with with you if you're listening, is that in fact I I bet money on that is that he's spent a lot of time and gone to a lot of different 
places to to learn. He's read books. He has bought online courses from me and a wide range of other online tennis instruction resources, you know, websites. He's taken a lot of lessons in person from a lot of different pros. He's watched the tennis channel a lot and, you know, tried to soak up information that way. And, you know, he gave me this long list of different places that he's getting information from. And, and he wanted to know, so what's, what's the best way for me to get the right information? And my answer to that is there's no substitute for quality in-person instruction. When you talk about working with a really good tennis pro in person, I, I mean, you know, I love online instruction and there's a lot of benefits to online instruction over in-person instruction. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, if you're taking it really seriously and you want to improve as, you know, as fast as possible, then in-person instruction really can't be beat just for pure quality of, you know, of time spent basically. Uh, and, you know, simply because you have the trained eyes of that professional watching your every move and you, uh, somebody who's good at that can pick up so much in such a short period of time as far as, wow, I, you know, I see exactly what they need to do next. And they have this huge catalog, this back catalog of experience with other players just like you or at least similar to you, a similar situations, maybe similar body type, similar game types, you know, similar, similar tendencies, et cetera, et cetera, if they've been doing it a long time. And so they, they have all of this knowledge built up of what usually works, what usually doesn't, and how they can convey the information that's necessary, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's really no substitute for in-person instruction. Um, however, let me just say that it's important to realize that the quality of teaching pros varies just as much as the quality of tennis players. There's a lot of people out there making a living teaching that are just not worth your time. And that's, that's you know, it's just like any other profession is the way I like to describe it. I mean, think about it. In any other walk of life, let's be honest, the majority of people are doing it because they just, they got to pay the bills, right? I mean, they, they need to make a living. And so they're just doing the job to whatever, you know, um, quality level is necessary to keep getting by so that they can keep paying the bills and keep living. <laughs> and that's, you know, I don't mean to be down on humanity <laughs> or anything like that, but, but that's, I mean, that's just the reality of people and working the, the majority of people. It's only a small percentage of people in any walk of life that are doing it because it's a passion of theirs and they truly have the best interest of the person they're working with at heart. And it's not just something they're doing for themselves. And yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that in a teacher, teacher type role that the, the, the ratio would be higher of people that do it you know, because they love it and they really, really want to help you and they're really, really good at it on top of it. It's just not, it's not good enough to just love it and want to help you. They also have to be, they also have to be skilled in, in whatever area that they're working in, right? It's, um, I, so, it, you know, it, I'm, I'm sure that the ratio in general is, is probably higher for, for teachers than it is for, you know, 
I don't know, people who work at the IRS. <laughs> I'm sorry if you work at the IRS, but that, that's what came to mind first. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't tennis pros that aren't way more qualified than others. So please just know that. Even though I, I believe that in-person instruction is the best way to go in general, it's not to say you can't learn a lot online and in other places, in books and on TV. Uh, but I think in-person instruction is is priceless if it's good. Now, question three, what if I plateau? This is just another important reality check. Everybody will plateau. And beyond that, you know, taking it one step further, at some point or another, everybody will regress. You will not continue to improve day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. There will be times where you plateau and you regress. When you take something as complicated as tennis and as complicated as our physical and mental systems, it's just impossible to always be improving, period. So, and again, just being real with all of you listening, I, I, you know, it's important that somebody's honest with you about this. It's important to be realistic about your outlook with your game because if you're not, it can be unbelievably frustrating to get to that point where you do plateau or maybe you do regress before you make that next step forward and you make that next improvement. So it's important to understand that you won't always be improving. And it's also important that you don't wrap up all of your value in tennis in improvement alone, meaning, and this is something I talked to Mike about quite a lot because I could tell that he was he was just so... Um, preoccupied with the idea of constantly getting better and the idea of always moving up in level, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, and that's good. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But if that's the only way you're happy, and if you have th this picture in your mind of you should be able to always improve, then it's just inevitable that you will be disappointed. And depending on how much value you put on that constant improvement, Tennis can start to become more frustrating than it is satisfactory. It can start to actually be, you know, work out there and and not enjoyable. And I personally got to that position myself uh, towards the end of my college career, and I do not recommend it. Um, so it's important to have realistic ex expectations about that. And at the end of the day, the most healthy thing, the most healthy attitude to have is to enjoy the process of figuring out what the next piece of the puzzle is and then diving into learning about it and improving. Whether you immediately get better or not, enjoying the process of going through and learning new things and, and trying to implement them is the way that you're going to be most happy with your tennis career. If you're only happy when you're improving, then you're going to be unhappy a lot. <laughs> you can you can quote me on that, and I I promise you that will be the case. And again, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm not you know, and and for a lot of you that might sound pessimistic because you've heard maybe your your whole life. Well, you can you can do it. You can always just put your mind to it, and you can achieve anything, <laughs> right? And I'm not saying you can't improve. We're going to talk about that next. That'll be question number four. Um, I'm not saying you can't improve. I'm not being pessimistic. I'm being totally real with you here so that you have healthy expectations of what working at your tennis game really 
should look like. And it's not constant improvement. It's important to understand that. Okay, question four. This will be one of my longer episodes uh, recently, but hopefully you're getting a lot of uh, valuable kind of mindset stuff here. Question number four, how good can I get? And this was another another one of those questions where my, you know, the short answer is I have no idea. <laughs> because again, I, you know, I don't know, I haven't seen Mike play in person. I haven't seen you play in person. So I can't tell you how good you could possibly get, but I can tell you for sure that you can always get better than you are right now. And I really believe that. And this is this is the optimistic part of my talk today. No matter how good you are, no matter how good you get, I I truly believe that you can always take one at least one more little step forward always. And this kind of goes back to the, you know, the whole idea or concept that mastering our physical and mental selves within any kind of athletic discipline as deep as tennis is just unlimited. The the variables are just unlimited and it's such a wide range of different skills and abilities that we're trying to master at the same time. You will never get to, and this was another thing I told Mike where he was like, Ian, don't, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. I, I told Mike, you know what? Honestly, I don't believe anybody ever reaches their quote unquote potential. I don't think anybody ever reaches their true maximum potential where it's like, well, that's it. There's nothing else I can possibly get better at. I don't think anybody ever gets to that point. And I, I, I mean, any tennis player, Roger Federer included, he, if I were to interview him and ask him, Roger, are there things you can get better at? Or, or maybe was there any point in your career? I mean, he's obviously, you know, at the point now where just due to his age alone, it's, it's getting pretty tough for him to play, you know, his, his quote unquote, his best. If I asked him, Roger, was there any point in your career where there was something, uh, rather, I'm sorry, was there any point in your career where there was nothing you could have possibly done better? I promise you, he would not say yes. I, there was this one day, there was even just one day where I couldn't have done anything better. He's never played a match without an unforced error. And I, you know, I don't know that factually. I haven't gone and looked at all his match stats, but I can virtually promise you he's never had a match without an unforced error. There's always something that you can get better at, no matter how good you get. And you need to make a choice as a tennis player to either view that as a as a negative, by saying, "Wow, that's that, that sounds really, really pessimistic," and you're telling me I'll never reach my potential. Well, why, why even try? If I, if I can't ever get as good as I can get, then why do I even want to put effort into this at all, right? That's one possible reaction you could have to me saying that. The realistic and healthy perspective to have on what I just told you is to, again, enjoy the fact that there is always something to work on. I mean, that's great. You know, you've heard that tennis is the game of a lifetime, right? And you, I think they say the same thing about, about golf too, but... That's a whole other topic that I won't get into now. But it's true. It doesn't matter how long you play it or how hard you work at it. There's always going to be something else that you can improve at. And rather than look at that as a bad thing and look at that as kind of a downer, like, uh, I'm never going to reach my potential, be happy about that because there's so much for you to experience 
within the game of tennis. As you continue to learn about it and implement new things that you find out about and you get to discover you know, more and more and more about the game and you're, as your understanding increases, your appreciation for the sport will increase as well. So it doesn't matter how good you get, there will always be things to work on. And this is kind of like most things in life. It's not about the arrival. It's not about the idea that I'll work at it hard, you know, for year after year after year, and then I'm going to get there. I'll be a good tennis player. And then, you know, the birds will sing. There'll be a triple rainbow in the sky and there'll be, you know, choirs and heaven, you know, singing and that'll be it. I've arrived and bam, now I can be happy with my tennis game and, you know, there will be world peace and harmony. That's is not a healthy perspective to have on it because number one, you'll never get to that point where there's nothing else you can improve on. That's just reality. Um, and number two, even if even if there was that like kind of magical point where, hey, I've arrived, would you really want that to be the case? Because then, because then what? I mean, what? So you you play tennis for the rest of your life in some kind of utopia and you never make mistakes and that's it? Like you? No, of course not. So. It's just a fallacy in the first place. And um, even if it wasn't, well, there'd be nothing else to achieve. And would it really be that fulfilling if there was nothing else to accomplish in your tennis game? So, and here's where I wrap things up. So at the end of the day, it's all about balancing two things. A desire to improve, which is good. I, I want you to want to get better. I honestly, I mean, if you didn't want to get better, <laughs> truthfully, I wouldn't want you as a listener. I wouldn't want you listening uh, because, quite frankly, it would be a waste of both of our time. <laughs> if you were listening and I was talking to you and you didn't really want to get better, it wouldn't be a good use of either of our time. So, you know, it's good that you want to improve. But you need to have a realistic understanding about the difficulty of the game of tennis and also have a healthy expectation of, you know, what to expect <laughs> as you continue to work on your game and as you continue to work hard at it. You know, have that desire to improve, but don't be unrealistic and only be happy when you're constantly improving because, as we discussed earlier, that's that's not healthy and it's not realistic. It's, it's good to have a, a good... I, I guess, big picture view of what the sport is, how difficult it really is in reality, and what that means for you as you continue to work hard at your game. So that brings my outline to an end. And, and with that, I'll wrap up this topic. Hopefully this hopefully this is helpful to you. I, it's been kind of a lot of, um, I guess, maybe abstract things and and um, kind of an academic discussion here. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. And I hope at least one of those areas that I talked about, uh, hopefully my answer to, to that question really resonated with you and, and will kind of turn your thinking around and help you have a, a healthier view of the game and as a result, enjoy it more. So Mike, thank you for your, your honest talk on the phone yesterday. Thank you for these great topics that you kind of brought to the forefront of uh, my brain so that I could use it as a uh, topic here on the podcast. I really hope for, I really wish you all the best uh, with your game. And I hope you find a, 
a place in your game where you're comfortable continuing to work hard at it and you have a realistic view of kind of where you fit into the big picture. All right, that brings episode number 212 to a close. Thank you so much for listening today. I really, really appreciate your time and your attention. Two quick things before we we close. Number one, I have set up a donate page for the podcast at EssentialTennis.com slash donate. If you appreciate the show and the fact that I was thinking about this the other day, 212 episodes, there, there's over 100 hours of totally free and open instruction that the uh, the podcast offers. So if you appreciate the time and the effort that I've put into that, and you know, I've put in a lot of time making it sound as professional as possible and, and all those kinds of things, then I'd appreciate your support if if you'd like to do that. Obviously, no need to, but if you'd like to support the show in that way, I'd appreciate it a lot. There's several different options there on that page. And again, it's EssentialTennis.com slash donate. And then lastly, I want to thank a couple of new reviewers on the iTunes Music Store, Colin and Amelia. That's the uh, the username. So both Colin, well, maybe it's just one of you. I don't know. But thank you very much for your uh, review. And also Cooley90. Thank you for your review on the iTunes Music Store. That's another kind of main way you can help support the show is by going to iTunes, to the Music Store, and leaving a review of the Essential Tennis Podcast. So thank you to, or possibly three, for your support by, uh, by doing that. All right, that does it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, and good luck with your tennis. 